So hi, everyone. Today I'm talking with Dory Clark, who is a brilliant keynote speaker, consultant, and author of four books, most recently The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World. She's been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50 and is a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review. She also counts being a musical theater lyricist among her many talents. So Dory, it's so great to talk with you and catch up. And clearly, by that list, you do a lot. But I'm curious what today looks like for you. Well, literally today, what, I, what I've been doing today, <laughs> which I know is the focus of your amazing book, is getting things done in the moment. I usually sort of have a slow roll in the mornings. I would like to get immediately out of bed and pounce, but usually I lie in bed with my cats and read the New York Times. But I did that. I went out to get coffee, which uh, is, I guess, positive. You know, you're supposed to get sunlight first thing in the morning. And so that's good. But really what that reflects is that my latte machine is uh, is broken. And so anyway, they're mailing it back to me soon. Uh, so that ritual will, will soon come to an end and I'll be back working on my latte art creations. And then uh, what I just came from is that I have started a routine, which I was always a decent, albeit haphazard fitness person. I'd maybe work out three times a week and feel self-satisfied about that. Uh, but now that I am, I would say, legitimately in the throes of middle age, I've decided I need to up, up the game. And so I am uh, doing a minimum of five and sometimes six days a week in the gym. So I just came back from a cardio session. Oh, goodness. So you are like amped up. You are ready to ready to roll. So how do you know what you're going to do at the gym every day? Do you have a schedule? Do you have a trainer? What does that look like? I do not have a trainer, but there's an app that I have been using lately called Strides. It's a, a track. It's a paid like sort of tracker app, and it enables you to create a list of positive or, or negative habits, you know, positive habits that you want to do or negative habits you want to eschew, and you track them. And I, I feel like at least for me, there's power in the ritual of writing things down. It's sort of like that, you know, mm -hmm. famous, uh, famous scene in the in the Jerry Seinfeld documentary comedian where he's like, you know, just just don't break the streak of writing a joke every day. And he, you know, he marks an X on his calendar. And so it's kind of the same for me. I'm I'm big on tracking things. So what I try to do is cardio every day that I work out as kind of a baseline. And then almost every day when I can, there are additional add-ons that I try to do two days per week. So usually some kind of add-on each day. It would either involve uh, weight training or core training, you know, planking or crunches or something like that, or what I call sort of physical therapy exercises, which is, you know, working out with resistance bands to strengthen certain things like uh, my shoulders where I've had some problems over the years. Well, has this sort of changed how you've been feeling, you know, since you've started this routine or have you noticed any immediate benefits? You know, I, I wish I could say that I, you know, am immediately an, a new person. Um, I, 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 I know that that it is is sort of beneficial in the abstract for sure. I don't know. I've, I've been a, a vegetarian since I was 13. And so sometimes people will ask, like, Oh, you know, I've heard, I've heard that, you know, when you start eating vegetarian, you you know, you feel so much different, you feel so much better. And I'm like, that may be true, uh, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you <laughs> because it's it's been it's been so long. I guess I'm I'm not the best person to sort of be perceiving immediate differences, but I do 
I do feel morally self-satisfied. And that's, I mean, there's really something to be said for that, Kara. Oh, the benefits of that. Yeah, you take that energy with you for the rest of the day. Like, well, I am a person who works out first thing in the morning and then I get my coffee and then I have a whole life after that. Yeah, I, I just feel like a baller. Um, <laughs> so what, what do you do? I mean, I know mostly you're like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've got plenty of other things. I mean, what I see in your newsletter is like, you're having these amazing, uh, soul-satisfying walks in Central Park looking at owls and things like that. But like, tell me more. Yeah, that that definitely is an amazing sort of physical activity slash like just getting away from the computer and remembering there is Central Park out there. I'm especially curious about your new routine because I signed up uh, in a lottery system to run the New York City half, which I've run before, but many, many years ago. And so I got in, of course, I was chosen in the lottery. So now I'm oh, running wow. a half marathon in a couple of months. And I just haven't been running consistently for a few years. And so I need to build that back into my day-to-day -day life. And, you know, there's always that idea of do we have to sacrifice something or clear space to incorporate a new routine? But I think finding these pockets of time which maybe aren't used the best is a way that I'm going to do that. It probably first thing in the morning, you know, then you sort of get the benefits for the rest of the day. That's why I think I will be using the Dory Clark blueprint of get up, get out, do it, and then feel morally superior that I ran in the morning. A thing that I always think about, I mean, I, I, I think many of us know this intuitively, but one of the things that I love about academia is that it gives you fancy names for things you sort mm. of know. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the fancy name makes it, makes it more memorable and I think makes it stick. But anyway, I have a friend named Stuart Friedman, who is a professor at Wharton, and he is sort of like this work-life work balance expert. Uh, that's what he focuses on. And one of his ideas that he talks about is something he calls the four-way win. What he means by that is that if you think about the major life categories, so, you know, it could be work, it could be family, it could be, you know, sort of friends and other social relationships, it can be health. And I think somewhere in there, maybe friends and family are together and then like sort of spirituality or, you know, however one defines that is, is maybe the fourth one. But anyway, there's four of them. and. His basic idea is, OK, you know, we all have obviously a finite amount of time. And so the only rational way that we can make more time, essentially, is by combining activities and trying to be strategic about covering as many blocks as possible out of those four blocks in one fell swoop. So, I mean, you know, the, the sort of trifecta or, you know, so to speak, the quadfecta is uh, if you can get the four way win. But even if you get, can get multiple ones. It's it's enormously helpful. So, I mean, if you're like, gosh, you know, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to spend enough time with Colin. Well, OK, the answer is like recruit Colin for the runs or I don't know, I'm, I'm making this up. You really want to get more in touch with spirituality. And so, OK, great. Every time you run, you're listening to some sort of Buddhist meditation on your audiobook or, or whatever. And so you can kind of make more time by thinking about ways that you can leverage the activity to accomplish multiple goals. What a brilliant idea. I mean, I can already think of three or four things I could be doing simultaneously as running just to sort of take advantage of that time because it is going to be hours a week, you know, where you're out there and it would be really beneficial. I think instead of feeling like it's a chore or feeling like it's homework or like something I sort of like lucked into is definitely going to change my attitude towards it. So I'm I will gun for the four way win and and uh, keep you posted if that actually happens. That sounds like something to strive for, for sure. 
So you already did your cardio. You're doing a podcast now. What does the rest of the day look like for you? You know, today is actually a really intense day. And I, 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 I try not to have days like this anymore. This is a little bit of an aberration, but I have a business trip that I'm leaving on tomorrow. So a lot of things had to be sandwiched in. So immediately after this, I have a client coaching call. And then after that, I have an appointment, a Zoom appointment for something called myofunctional therapy, which is something I'm very bullish on. I can expound, uh, but just for, uh, for, for people's benefit, I was not familiar with this either. In my continuing quest for self-improvement, myofunctional therapy is essentially physical therapy for your mouth and tongue so that you can learn strategies to breathe better. And this is particularly mm. important if you have sleep difficulties or sleep apnea. A lot of times you're, the problem is you're breathing through your mouth and then your tongue lolls back and you choke yourself, which is clearly not good. But a big problem, the reason that happens is your tongue isn't strong enough, which is so weird. You never think like, oh, I have to strengthen my tongue, but that's a thing. And so myofunctional therapy trains you, which is really brilliant. That's amazing. Have you been doing that for, for a while? Yeah, I did it. I started it last year and it's actually amazing. Nobody ever thinks about this quite obviously. I mean, it's it's not like, "Oh, wow, your tongue is, so, you know, so limber." <laughs> you know, like like how how would you possibly evaluate whether your tongue is is working the way it should? Like you just have no idea. But it turns out when you start doing this, I mean, at least if you're if you're me, some of some of the risk factors for having a a suboptimal tongue functionality, if you have asthma, which I do, mm. If you grew up and had allergies, which I did, and if you, interestingly, if you were fed from bottles rather than breastfed, uh, which, which I was, you actually, ha as a baby, you have to work harder to breastfeed, and it strengthens your tongue. And that is actually, it turns out, uh, beneficial for you. So I'm now kind of having to, to go back and, and do that. But you see, there's like these exercises, and they're like, oh, can you do this? And I'm like, I would not even know where to begin to do that. <laughs> But, you know, now now I'm learning. I've got a stronger tongue and it means you breathe better. And that that is a net positive. <laughs> well, I just love this so much because there there is a sort of coach or therapist or self-improvement process for virtually everything. Right. Like even if you didn't know that it existed, it does exist. Um, and, and you can find it. And I think that that's such a wonderful example of something that I had no idea was possible. Yes, yes, it's, it, it is. It's so exciting. So shout out to Dr. Maria Sokolina for anyone who wants to uh, to learn how to do this. She does these on Zoom. So you can, you know, you can take lessons <laughs> wherever you are. But yeah, I mean, to this point, Kara, you know, one of the ways that I was able to get into the BMI Lehman Engel Musical Theater Workshop where I met you was I didn't really know anything about writing musical theater. And so I sought out and hired a musical theater coach, which was you know, not not initially the easiest thing to find in the world, but I but I sort of wended my way through networking to find one. And it proved to be enormously helpful to me in creating an application that would that would let me get accepted. So, yeah, I am a huge fan of getting coaching and training for things. I forgot about that example. Um, and it's such a it's such a good point. Well, I guess I, I was curious to go back to like the day to day process, because you do write musical theater and you do have all of your other responsibilities and coaching and, and writing and tasks. And I was wondering how you incorporate writing musical theater into a day. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, not, it's not something certainly that I do every day. I would say generally for musical theater, 
I like to build in forcing functions for myself and then and then work around that. So certainly when we were in the throes of our, you know, initial two-year program for BMI, we would have assignments. And so you had to regularly prepare the assignments. And so that was the forcing function. Now that we're we're sort of, you know, out of the part of the program where you are required to turn in assignments regularly, my forcing function, I think like you, because I know you write about this often in your newsletter, which I read and enjoy, I apply with my composing partner to different fellowships, different uh, competitions and things like that. And that creates uh, a mechanism where it's like, oh boy, we better, we better get that new demo together. We better get those tracks together. We better rewrite that song. And, uh, you know, fortunately we've been able to, to get some traction this year. Our show Absolute Zero uh, had a, a staged reading in Dallas, which was the result of winning a competition from something called musicalwriters.com. And Absolute Zero just placed second in a competition that NMI, New Musicals Inc., out of Los Angeles held. But those are, those are examples of things where we rewrote, we did a bunch of revisions as a result of specifically getting materials together for an application. An application is the ultimate forcing function, right? Like if you end up getting it or if you place or whatever it is that comes from it, always a win, always a benefit. But I think that process of actually applying, you have that demo, you have that revised artistic statement. I mean, your approach, I think, to writing musical theater, which you've written about before, is the long-term goal, right? And you wrote an entire book about the long game and why we need to focus on long-term goals. And there's really nothing that takes longer than writing a, a Broadway musical. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> we also, you know, we get bogged down every day and waking up and thinking like, well, you know, how can I keep my eyes on the long-term and what would you sort of say to that? Like, how can we keep our eyes on that horizon? Is it clearing space? Is it breaking things down into, into little tasks? What, what is the Dory Clark method? Ultimately, it is true, you know, for myself and I think for lots of people, that when you see something on your to-do list, literal or proverbial, and it is too large, it gets paralyzing because, you know, you're, you're not consciously thinking that, but, but basically your brain is like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, you know, like write a book. Like that's not a good item for a to-do list. There's like, you know, 17,000 sub bullets that should be in something like that. So I think it is really breaking it down to its smallest constituent part and taking the next step. I mean, it's pretty basic in its application, but it occurs to me, Kara, somebody who I think would be great for your podcast is a professor at Harvard Business School named Teresa Amabile. You may be familiar with her work. She wrote a book called The Progress Principle. And, and it is essentially that the key factor in somebody's feelings of satisfaction, feelings of professional satisfaction about their work, is their ability to make progress, no matter how small. And that's the interesting part. Progress of, you know, whatever size, every day on a project that feels meaningful to them. That is the key, is just essentially forward momentum, even in tiny ways. And that is the secret to professional happiness and fulfillment. And uh, I think that that's a, a really interesting North Star for us to, to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely relate to that in my own life. And I think it's an interesting time to talk about this. And I was just wondering if you have any methods for reflecting at the end of a day or week. Do you sort of look back and sort of say what, what really went well and what went not so well? Well, I definitely try to build in those opportunities. And in fact, the, the other thing that I'm doing today after my myofunctional therapy is I am leading a session online in, and it's extensive. It's like a three-hour online meeting 
for a mastermind that I run. It is a paid year-long program that I do with clients. And I bring folks together, you know, sort of entrepreneurs who are successful and looking to get even more successful. And uh, over the course of a year, we meet both in person and virtually. And so today is actually our year-end wrap-up session where we're going to be doing just that. Uh, everybody is going to be talking about their wins for the year, their sort of visions for next year, and, and also kind of what they learned, like what meaning they m are making from the things that got accomplished versus the things that didn't. Because, you know, it is, it is more than, than just sort of chalking things up, chalking up the tally. It's about understanding what lessons to take from it. And that level of analysis, I think, is is important to us. Oh boy, I want to I want to do that already. Um, I think I'm going to mark that off on my calendar to do it myself because I've I've done it in the past where you you just do the bullet points of kind of what happened, maybe what didn't happen. But I think that deeper look at how that felt and why you approached those things in the first place is just going to be so beneficial. So I'm stealing all of that, Dory. A call with you is just instantly motivational and encouraging and uh, it's got my brain thinking in all sorts of different ways so thank you for taking the time and you have a lot to do today so i'll let you get to it kara thank you so much it's always a joy talking to you it was and you know it, and especially you know shout out to you is a joy featuring you in my book the long game i feel like you uh you are an exemplification with your books and with your newsletter of how to do it so thanks for having me on appreciate it all right my friend take care Bye bye, bye.